dating journey is really about personal growth. And um, again, like there isn't a relationship, like being, being able to be with somebody and uh, be able to navigate all the conflict. And you have to be very skillful in things like communication, emotional intelligence, empathy. And um, I actually honestly think when I started learning and studying dating and relationship more and how I can become a better dater, it made me a better uh, leader. Welcome to Leadership with Lisa. This is Lisa Carmen Wang, U.S. national champion and Hall of Fame gymnast turned serial entrepreneur and executive leadership coach. This is a show that dives into deeply personal stories from the world's most impactful leaders, transforming the face of business and culture as we know it. You'll learn powerful leadership lessons to help you become more passionate, purposeful, and powerful in your life. Are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. In his book, The Art of Loving, philosopher Eric Fromm wrote, There is hardly any activity, any enterprise, which is started with such tremendous hopes and expectations, and yet which fails so regularly as love. This is especially true in modern dating. We have never had so many options to find love, and yet have never been so lost in knowing how to cultivate it. Too often, we jump into dating without actually having any knowledge around what it is that we want, what we're looking for. We jump in with the wrong motivations, hoping that someone else will fill whatever void we have inside of us. We jump in expecting that if it's the right love, it will be effortless. But the truth is, just like anything else worth pursuing, Finding and creating a lasting love requires work, effort, and commitment. If we want to find the best person for us, we need to first commit to being the best versions of ourselves. The energy we put out is the energy we will attract. Today's guest, Dawoon Kang, is the co-founder and CEO of Coffee Meets Bagel, a dating app that prides itself on helping users create meaningful connections online and offline. As fellow entrepreneurs, we talk about the similarities between being a better dater and being a better leader. When you get rejected in business, you can't take it personally. If you want to succeed, you have to take the feedback, learn the lessons, and move on, making sure to be better when the next opportunity arises. The same approach should be taken in dating. Instead of becoming frustrated with failed connections, we can look at the dating journey as a personal growth journey. The more you learn about yourself in relationships, the more you grow. In this episode, you'll learn about the importance of communication, clarity, and empathy in cultivating healthy relationships, successful teams, and powerful leaders. Dawoon, I would love for you to just start off and tell us what does it mean to you to be a leader? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I think that definition have evolved in many ways over time. And I think one of the most critical attributes, attributes of leadership and of a successful leader is being able to have a clear vision of the future that doesn't exist yet and um, be able to bring your team along. I think I would pick that as that ability as one of the most critical attributes of leadership. Mm. And when you talk about this vision part of it, I'm curious about how you developed the vision for Coffee Meets Bagel and where that passion came from. 
yeah, you know, our vision also has evolved over time. And when we first started, the 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 problem that I observed in the dating space that kind of catapulted us to start Coffee Meets Bagel is that there is a huge gender lopsidedness in the dating space in terms of uh, dating app users. There are a lot more men than women using dating apps, and guys are much more active um, in in the in the heterosexual community. And we were wondering why. Why is it that uh, there are not enough female users? And um, kind of when we started interviewing potential daters, female daters, they were you know citing quality issues and safety issue in the existing dating app world. Well, it wasn't dating, really dating app at the time, like more like dating websites. And um, so you know our mission became like our vision became, hey, let's create a, a dating service that's the best for serving women, um, quality and safety, you know, so that was the origin of it. Um, in the last, you know, I love this saying that knowledge breeds passion. As I learned so much more about dating and relationship and the daters and what it's like to date and all that, our mission also evolved with more, uh, with that knowledge. Now we focus a lot more on, hey, how do we actually make love accessible for everyone and not just for the lucky few people who stumble upon it. There are a lot of us who, even though we didn't actually work for it, stumble upon love, but there are also a lot more of us who are not as lucky. And um, how amazing would it be if we live in a world where if anyone wants to fall in love, they can open Coffee Meets Bagel app and be able to get all the knowledge that they need to be able to create that amazing healthy relationship and also be able to get access to the people who um, potential candidates, good quality candidates that, that could be good fit for them. Yeah. So our vision kind of evolved with as I and my team started getting more experience in this, this industry. So do you take an algorithmic look at love like how do you actually break that down and translate that into the user experience you know i think there are several um elements here there definitely is an algorithmic kind of um formula there are there are people who we just have more probability of being we're interested in whether or not because of our past experiences and backgrounds and which could change, but we definitely have a type that we gravitate towards. And the first thing about finding love is finding somebody that you're actually interested in spending time with, right? That is the first step. So algorithm plays a huge role in that. And also there are things that are known for certain compatibility, right? I think it's actually very, very hard to predict chemistry that is just like just it's just not possible to predict like on the algorithm before people meet because um, the chemistry also evolves after you meet up and when you're actually like having conversation and get to know each other. But there are are elements of of that that we can definitely predict. And then there is, I think, also an element of how ready, like the, the attitude and the mindset that we bring to the equation, which definitely... Uh, I don't think it's an algorithmic kind of influence, but as a service that, you know, is going on along with our users, uh, with our daters in this dating journey, we can influence, help influence. Definitely. And I think that um, one of the most important things is you actually have to first know what you want, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) How often do you feel like people actually know what they want when they're going to relationships versus, um, you know, just swiping through and getting swiping fatigue? 
you know, I think that's the default because we're not really taught growing up to think about those things. We just jump into dating with uh, many of us without actually having some knowledge around um, what actually would help me find what I'm looking for. So for example, I mean, and this was one of like more aha, like a big aha moment that I had, you know, I, of course, being in my position, have to learn a ton about leadership and business, but also a ton about dating and relationship. And one of the research findings that had a profound impact on me was uh, done by this couples therapist named Dr. Sue Johnson. And um, she talks about how love at the end of the day is about providing emotional security. First and foremost, it has to be about making you feel safe emotionally, making you feel you're belonged to, because that is like the most foundational part about love and romantic relationship. You really have to um, make sure that whoever your partner is going to be is someone who is emotionally accessible, engaged, and responsive to you. And you also are able to do the same for the other person because if you can't, then they're going to feel insecure. And if that's actually not there, nothing else works. Like even if you have tons of common interests, even if you're like laughing a lot, even if you're whatever, you're having a good time. If they're not emotionally engaged and consistently like accessible with you, then it's, you're going to have a hard time, um, especially in the context of long-term relationship. And, you know, we don't really, we're not really taught that. And so one of the big passion of mine is being able to actually disseminate this kind of knowledge so the daters can be more equipped, more armed with knowledge uh, when it comes to dating. Mm. And what about your own personal experience? Have you been able to translate these learnings into your dating life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I've used dating um, Coffee Meets Bagel myself for many, many years. I don't use it anymore because I have a partner. And I've gone, gone on hundreds of different first dates myself. I think I've been in a total of like eight relationships or so. And I know this because actually somebody was just asking me that question. And so I know what it's like to be a dater out there. When I know what it's like to use dating apps. And my current partner, who we've been together it's the best relationships I've ever had yet. And I really think I would not have been able to create this if I did not go through what I went through and like copiously studied, you know, what it takes to create a healthy relationship for my job. And um, I was able to apply that um, in my dating life and in, you know, ongoingly working on this current relationship. Mm. And when you were going through that phase, I'm curious, what was the reaction when people found out that you were the CEO of Coffee <laughs> You know, they had a very bifurcated uh, response. So some people just, you know, there were people who just disappeared because I think it, 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 I don't know. I think they felt, uh, um, I don't know, uncomfortable, I guess. Um, you, there were people who- User <laughs> test. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, there were people who were just really intrigued, really intrigued. A lot of people were very intrigued. The the ones where I, I had the mo- most fun going on dates with are people who, you know, like did not make that a big factor. You know, I'm working all the time. So, you know, going on a date, work isn't really something that I wanted to talk about. And so, you know, I tended to not really have as much fun as I probably did on some dates if the questions and all the conversation were centered around work, which I completely understand because it's, it's interesting. 
Yeah. Well, there's a great quote that I love from uh, this German philosopher, and his name's Eric Fromm. And it's uh, his book that he wrote is called The Art of Loving. And his, I love his that book. <laughs> there is hardly any activity, any enterprise, which is started with such tremendous hopes and expectations, and yet which fails so regularly as love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, because we have high hopes. And, um, you know, when you're in a really great relationship, that feels amazing, right? I, you know, interviewed many, many daters out there, like, who is having a lot of hard time with dating and like dating sucks and they're complaining. And then I asked them, like, then why are you dating, right? Why don't we just stop dating? And they tell me, well, because when I think about one of the most happiest moments of my life, it was when I was with someone that I really deeply loved. And I, w- I knew that I was deeply loved myself. And I could act share a lot of amazing moments with this person and so all to say that it's it's not it's not an easy journey but when you when you do actually find it and when you are able to cultivate it it's it's kind of worth all that effort yeah and I think it's interesting like even in the the quote that I read it's you know it's it's comparing love in some ways to a business enterprise right and especially as a CEO you know as an entrepreneur how have you thought about love? Well, obviously it's, you know, it is your business, but how did you think about it in, in the way of balancing, you know, what you're working on and also creating time for that? Great question. Um, You know, what's, what's amazing and great about love is that, and relationship and dating is that uh, it is such an awesome way to be able to, role yourself um and so there you know oftentimes we at cmd we say hey dating journey is really about personal growth and mm-hmm. um again like there isn't a relationship like being being able to be with somebody and uh be able to navigate all the conflicts and you have to be very skillful in things like communication emotional intelligence empathy and um i actually honestly think when I started learning and studying dating and relationship more and how I can become a better dater, it made me a better uh, leader. Well, this is actually interesting. So I started taking communication classes because I wanted to be a better leader, but it actually turned out that was like the best thing that I could do for my future relationship because all the, you know, the strategies and principles of being an effective communicator, how do you listen? How do you take responsibility for your own speaking? How do you take responsibility for your own listening? Um, all that stuff applies to every relationship, including your whether they're your partner or colleagues, people you manage. And so I think, like, speaking of how do you make time for that, because there's so much overlap, I think I was able to do it because as I became a better dater, I became a better leader also. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, I love the way that you frame that because – for me, personal growth is one of the, it, it is one of my top values. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. if, if I'm not growing from it, then you're stagnating. And and I love that feeling of growing. And so it's, I, I meet oftentimes, you know, sometimes there's CEOs or leaders who are very effective at, you know, charging forward and hitting revenue goals. And then when it comes to, relationships, there's just a lack of empathy, there's an inability to communicate. And so I've definitely started to, to, 
to see that there's there's usually like a, some sort of chip or some like inability mm. to access that emotion that sometimes can actually help you, you know, drive towards aggressive growth, but it's not necessarily sustainable in, in either side. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that, um, I don't know, if, since you're such personal growth junkie, I'm sure you heard of Carol Dweck, um, who wrote the book Mindset, and she talks about fixed mindset and growth mindset and how everyone can kind of cultivate intelligence in different areas. And not all, like there are different areas or business, sports, art, relationship. And um, I think in, we, are, we are oftentimes better in some areas than others. And um, we are not, maybe not as used to um, translating some of the skills in one area to the others. And so I think we just kind of have to be aware of that and um, have the willingness to cultivate it. Yeah. And the cultivation aspect is great too. And it, I'm, I'm looking at this, um, the book and the, the way that he actually approached it was, um, is, so this is what he says, like the first step is to take, is to be, become aware that love is an art, just like living is an art. If we want to learn how to love, we must proceed in the same way we proceed if we want to learn any other art, say music, painting, or the art of medicine or engineering. And so the necessary steps are the process of learning can be divided into one, the master of the theory, and the other is the mastery of the practice. So if you want to learn the art of medicine, you have to know the facts about the human body, various diseases. And even if you have all the theoretical knowledge, it by no means means that you're competent in the art of medicine. So then you have to actually put that knowledge into practice and try it out and have your hypotheses. Um, and I think if you look at it in that way of, like it's, it's an enjoyable learning journey and, you know, hopefully you meet some good people along the way who can still be friends and good human beings. But um, if it doesn't yeah. work out, it's still a lesson, just yeah. like failures in entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, that's, that I'm, I'm so happy that you read that because that's, that part is actually one of my favorite quote about in, in that book. And I literally just copied and shared it with my managers because our leaders at CMB, because management is the same thing. It's an art. And just like any other art, you have to have the theory and you have to practice it, right? And sometimes the theory that you know, it's not going to come out right away uh, when you practice, you're going to screw up. But as you practice it more and as you develop that muscle, you're going to be able to implement theory like as it, um, as it was designed. And that's why I think so many, like it kind of goes back to dating it gives you so much um, yeah, opportunities to grow uh, because you are kind of putting yourself out there. You learn and then all the stuff that you learn, it's not going to just be applicable dating. It's like just human relationships. So you can just take it anywhere, work or your family or whatnot. Yeah. And it's the one of the biggest fears that I encounter with peers, with um, people that I coach is around fear of failure and fear mm -hmm. of rejection. And I see that fear of failure affecting people and their ability to launch a project or a business. Um, yeah. And I think in other ways, it also affects people's fear, you know, fear of being single and which is in some ways failure, right? And I guess the way society has kind of positioned it, especially for women. And it causes some people to stay in relationships that otherwise are not helping them become better people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's so true. And um, I mean, it's, it's very real. It's very real um, that 
I've certainly felt that way when I became single at 35 or 36 from, and, you know, very devastatingly broken up from a relationship that I really thought was like, oh, this is it. Um, and there certainly was like, they go, you know what, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to meet anyone. And it was very sad and was an element of that. You, you know, I think one thing that really helped me through that process is if you really think about it objectively, like, there isn't anything I think more difficult than being in a relationship where I guess you're almost stuck in a relationship that you're where you're not happy. I think that there is nothing lonelier also than feeling lonely when you're in a relationship with somebody. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of us forget that, you know, if you kind of compare the quality of your life when you're in that position versus when you're just on your own it is actually so much better to be on your own than being in a relationship where you are having to deal with somebody that you're just not happy with on a like such a intimate basis I think a lot of us forget that and um, yeah of course we all want to be in an amazing relationship or most uh, a lot of us are but it's also great to be uh, on your own and just like be like doing all the stuff that you really like um, having the freedom and autonomy, I think it's important to remind ourselves of that. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when I think back to the relationships that I came out of, which were were not the right ones for me in the long run, but every time those relationships finished, I felt a sense of lightness and yeah. freedom and it was like, oh my God, this is what my life was like. And it's so exciting yeah. and just and that's how I knew it was wrong because when I left it, I had that feeling of like relief and like some, something had lifted and I could be free again. Yeah. And you know, actually there are a lot, there has been a lot of studies about couples and their, the quality of their health. Yeah. So when the relationship was rated, like not so great, these couples actually get sick a lot more often mm. versus couples who rate their relationship as really great. And this is all like have been documented many, many times over. And like, because just, just the emotional toll on your, um, your body and your mental uh, state is so much when you're again, in a very like a turbulent relationship. I actually, no joke myself, I was in a toxic relationship at one point and like I was getting so sick often and I can't say for sure. Yeah, this is why, but even my mom was asking, Hey, I think there's something wrong with you. Um, I think you have to, Maybe you have to go to the doctor to check check out because like you're very sick like every month. And honestly, like after I got out of that, I became so much healthier. Mm. I mean, for me, I've had toxic business partnerships in the past, mm. and the the result was I had rashes all over my face, mm. like my skin was breaking mm-hmm. out in hives. I went to every dermatologist possible, right. and it just didn't go away until. Yeah we separated and um, that happened with one ex-boyfriend as well, where I, I, I mm-hmm. honestly thought I was allergic. Uh, that it, you could, I, I would Google, can you be allergic <laughs> to another human being? And, and we tried everything. <laughs> we, we changed his hair gel, we changed like everything else. And then finally, when we actually broke up and after a couple months, like I heal, I just magically healed these like terrible yeah. lives that I had yeah. had for six months. Yeah, yeah. And then when we chatted again, he said, well, you know, maybe you were allergic to me. 
see your human connection. It has the power to make us so happy, and it also has power to make us like so miserable. Like it's really amazing. Yeah, and I think you also bring up a good point, which is like, you know, a lot of times people ask me, "Oh, how do you know if somebody is like right for you and whatnot?" You know, one thing I do share is like, listen to your body. Yeah, listen to your body. Listen how I mean. I think so many of us just live like such a busy life that we don't actually. Take the time to feel or check in with ourselves. How am I feeling? Like, does this person make me feel good? Am I um, happier being in this relationship? Does this relationship make me feel good? Like, uh, I, I think that's an important thing to just check in, like once in a while, to make sure that, yeah, your your body is like, you know, I think a lot of times they're trying to send those messages and they're just not aware of it. Yeah, I mean, I love the way that you frame that because what I noticed is. It's does this make me happier? Does it make me a better person? And I think so often people have these like call it check boxes where they're like, this person has to be like that. They have to look like that. They have to be into these things. And I think what I've learned is I was like, it's it's actually not really about that person. I mean, it it is. And there are certain things, but at the end of the day, the real questions are is this relationship making me a better person? Like when I'm with this person, am I happier? Um, Are they happier? You know, obviously that's also a mutual thing. Like, do they respect me? Do they respect my passions? Exactly. Mutually, you know? And so I I actually, um, I actually like rewrote a list recently where I was, I took, you know, it's again, to the point of you have to know what you want in order to get what you want. So I'd written Mm -hmm, a list mm -hmm. and then I like revised it. I was like, no, this is actually should be a list about how I feel when I'm in it. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that it's really important for me to, to maintain my independence and to stay focused on my passions and my work. Because in the past I would notice that if I really started um, getting involved in a relationship that I would lose myself mm, mm, um, and start prioritizing other things that really weren't aligned, but that actually started building up resentment over time. So it's like yeah. I've now learned I need those kind of boundaries and like set yeah. that up in a way that they're respected. Yeah, yeah. And that's awesome that you have this like clarity on what you are looking for and how like, you know, stuff that you it's really important for you to have in a relationship. And, you know, I think what's good about that is like, we can take the time to find the right person. And, you know, you, you never know until you kind of, you know, take the time to actually get to know each other. You're not going to know right off the bat. And we can also take responsibility for how we show up. And so, you know, I think having clarity in that like helps tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. And showing up definitely too. Yeah. It's like taking ownership and responsibility of your own year. And, and so I realized also it's like, part of that is I'm really tired during the week, you know, like after (laughs) we're like working late, we've got team strategies. And I was like, you know, there's no rush here. And really it's, I want to be able to show up fully and happy and well-rested. And that's usually probably only going to happen on a weekend or like Mm. when I have space. Um, and in the past, you know, someone would say, hey, how about this time? Um, and it was during a busy week. I'd be like, oh, well, like, I guess I can squeeze it in. But that's yeah. already setting a precedent of letting boundaries being crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, I've interviewed many, many matchmakers. And one thing that they consistently say is that the, the, the vibe and the energy and the attitude in which you show up is like a number one factor in, in um 
you know, being able to like be, you know, develop a dating into kind of like a relationship. And so I think it's so great. Like you need to make sure that you're going to show up with the right attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like the, the other thing that is in relationships I see is like over time, people get used to not showing up fully, right? They're like, Oh, this is safe. And like, I can just insult or blame this person. Like, (laughs) It's, you know, you think of like the old married couple that's always like yelling and bickering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really, that's a really good point too. One of the most, it's kind of ironic. One of the more common advice I give out to um, daters is that if you're feeling tired and jaded, like take a break from dating, like stop dating for a while so that you can show up excited and be fully there for that person and control your pacing so that you're not going to be like you know so scattered uh, and not in a position to be able to really be there so that's important yeah um well i mean this has been i think will be really interesting to listeners like um even just hearing this discussion about relationships um i want to shift gears uh briefly into the coffee meets bagel and just your story behind it i know that you you talked a bit about your vision you started this company with your sisters and um, you raised money from VCs and you went on Shark Tank. Tell me about what happened and what was going through your head during that time. Well, so yeah, I did start this company with my two sisters and I come from, my, both my parents are entrepreneurs. Um, and so it's something that we've always talked about. And um, at one point we said, hey, you know, we always talk, talk about it, like we should actually do it. So that's how I ended up with my two sisters. You know, in Shark Tank, um, Wow, it did. it's been such a long time ago. So, it's a t- I, I, you know, I think it was one of the most prob- like memorable, exciting, and scary, <laughs> nerve-wracking moments of uh, like you know my my time at Coffee Meets Bagel. We were super prepared, and so um, that was really great. How far um, along were you at that time when you showed up uh, on Shark Tank? Oh, uh, I think we had just raised. Um, maybe we just, it was before our series A. So after our seed, like between seed and I think we actually closed our series A shortly after the show aired. And, and so, yeah, we were still pretty early and, uh, yeah, it was just like very accelerating to be able to get a validation from somebody like, uh, Mark Cuban on our business and, um, yeah. Yeah. So he offered you guys 30 million to buy the company. And Um, yeah, I mean, he asked the question like, oh, what if, what if I were to offer $30 million? So it was nice to be able to like hear that benchmark, right? From a savvy investor like Mark Cuban. And then at that point where you, you were just standing on stage with like the bright lights and then, you know, what, what was your thought at that point of, you know, no, I think, we can make this you know, only that I think I was just still kind of processing when my sister, uh, my co-CEO and co-founder just said no, which then I was like, okay, yeah, that's the right answer. Um, but I was still processing myself and yeah, I mean, the it was such an obvious kind of, um, we had just started, we had so much work to do, right. In order for us to get to the vision. We still so have so much work to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it was just not something that was kind of in, in our realm of consideration. 
Yeah. So tell me about how the company has evolved given all this data that you've learned about daters and relationships as we've talked about um, the matching process and how do you handle feedback from users and then incorporate that into the evolving product vision? Yeah. You know, one thing about this industry is it is very competitive and we are actually one of the very few, like there's only a handful of, of brand that is large, um, has the scale like Coffee Meets Bagel does and it's so independent. Like a lot of people, a lot of um, brands have been acquired and mostly by um, batch. And um, yeah, it's fiercely competitive and there's no, you know, consumer kind of tastes also evolve. And it's very, very important that we stay on top of the evolving consumer taste and um, kind of just not lose our edge when it comes to being able to innovate and experiment and taking risks. And so I think as a, that's kind of my job to be able to, you know, continue to cultivate that culture of risk-taking and innovation. And, you know, we definitely have had, you know, our ups and downs, right? Like right now, it's a very challenging time with COVID. And, uh, you know, I tell my team, hey, this is, this is actually the time, time when we can shine, right? Nimble, uh, risk-taking startups like us, we have edge over uh, the 800-pound gorilla because we have much less to lose. And, you know, a lot of startups actually start at kind of junctures like this, a lot of successful startups, um, when there's a crisis, because there is a shift in how consumers behave, are thinking, and, um, and that creates an opening. Mm. So how are you thinking about dating and how Coffee Meets Bagel is evolving in the time of Corona? Uh, we are constantly kind of discussing it and um, ideating, collecting data information. We, like, for example, we do a survey on a regular basis right now to ask our users how they're dating. And uh, I also talk to a lot of daters myself. And so one of the initiatives that we launched in response to COVID and people not being able to uh, meet physically and having to practice shelter in place and social distancing. And, you know, it's hard for, I think it's the hardest for daters because a lot of us live by, by ourselves, right? And to be isolated like that from any kind of human is, is very challenging. And so we launched this initiative called Coffee Talk, uh, which is a virtual like hangout space for um, daters to come and just talk about any issues that are on top of their mind. And we do curate the room based on your location and age. And it's been, it's, I've seen such great engagement and such great conversation. It's been actually really nice for me to be able to interact directly with our daters in a context of like dating, not like in user testing or user feedback question and kind of see, see the conversations that actually come up and, you know, have them share what it's like to be dating right now. And so I think it's very, very important to continue, no matter how big your company gets, um, and as a, as a founder and as a, as a leader who has to continue to like challenge our team to innovate and be creative, like that I keep a very close pulse on our consumers. Mm. And how do you define success uh, as a company? And, you know, as you look at the, the users, or is it the number of matches that are successful? Yeah, it's very it's a very time interesting timing to uh, answer that question because we are kind of evolving 
on that. And um, there's a lot of discussion around dates and daters and, you know, how many, many dating apps out there don't really do a good job being successful at sending people to a great date. Like we spend way too, I mean, it's very convenient and it's doing a good job, but there's a lot of inefficiency when it comes to like people engaging in a lot of swiping and having to chat, but like nothing ever coming out of it. And so as a dating app, you know, that wants to make love accessible to everyone, we want to be able to measure ourselves against that. And so we talk a lot about, you know, uh, how many dates are we creating? Uh, how many daters are there um, on our app? And when you talk about Coffee Meets Bagel, what is the um, biggest differentiator as it compares to other dating apps that are on the market? We've always been, it's always been about quality. Mm. And so when we ask our users, people who love Coffee Meets, why do you, why do you come to Coffee Meets? Well, consistently, it's always about quality. And um, the, the slower pace of dating that comes with focus on quality versus quantity that helps them not only, you know, be once want, not only like help them focus on like people who are more relevant to them has higher probability of turning into something and help them just mentally be able to focus and be there for each person versus, you know, in a lot of volume based web date based dating apps. Mm. So it seems like patience is a big virtue in terms of, quality of facilitating that well you know i don't i i don't i think patience is a virtue in dating like we can't we can't yeah. <laughs> can't be impatient like dating takes time I'm, again for some of us we're really lucky like I'm, i know a ton of our daters also who basically ended up uh, with as a partner somebody they met on their first like first bagel that they met we called you know your date bagels um first bagel that they met they just ended up being so, so there are a lot of us who are lucky, but most of us are not, right? And so I think when you're not patient and you're feeling rushed, there's a pressure, then it creates like expectation. I mean, it's just going to be more miserable um, and you're not going to show up in the right place and whatever, whatnot. So patience is a virtue in dating in general. I actually think slower dating approach, which focuses on quality and you're not like swiping like crazy, is a faster way to get to the type of genuine connection that most of us are looking for. So uh, because you're not, you are able to bring more attention. You are able to have a deeper conversation. Um, you are able to actually give the other person more of a, more of a uh, chance, like a full chance that they deserve than like, you know, being in a rush to like move on to the next person. So I don't actually think it requires more patience than something like, I mean, there is definitely not an immediate gratification. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do you have any six? I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of success stories, but are there any that stand out to you that that you keep in your mind uh, that motivate you when you think of Coffee Meets Bagel and, and the love stories that come out of it? You know, all of our, of course, couples have um, have special place in my heart. And recently, you know, we were uh, just earlier, we we're talking about this Zoom background, like this was created because I Zoom bombed a virtual wedding of a Coffee Meets Bagel couples whose wedding was canceled because of COVID. And so we wanted to surprise them. Um, and so that was really memorable and being able to actually participate in their wedding with all of their family and friends, that was like really special. But you know, actually one of the things that bring me the greatest joy are actually from our daters. 
investigators who tell us, hey, thank you so much for all the like helping us get through, like be feel better about this dating journey because sometimes it feels hard. Thank you so much for sharing um, what it actually like, uh, helping me understand what it takes to uh, cultivate a healthy relationship. Thank you so much for the quality over quantity approach. Like, uh, I think those are the, wh whenever I hear that, like, I know that we are, you know, we, th there's a phrase we use, like we're changing, you know, our daters life one bagel at a time. And so like when, like when we're changing their relationship around dating itself, that makes me really, that, that's very gratifying. Awesome. Um, I love the values driven approach that you take uh, with the company. And I'm curious about you personally and how those values translate into your own personal values for living, or do you have different ones that guide you? So we, at our company, we have, we have five set of values that we really emphasize. And it's kind of funny, like we came up with the together as a team. And when I think about it, like a lot of them actually translates into being able to be like a good dater. Um, like I said, <laughs> because it's all about human relationships. Yeah, like one big thing is courageous candor. So we have to be candid about what we're experiencing and like being able to exchange feedback, being candid and vocal about how we really think. And um, that's a huge thing in a relationship, right? And of course, that's one thing that I had to practice a lot myself um, that I think really helps me cultivate my current relationship into what it is today and will continue to kind of propel that. Uh, another huge thing is continuous learning. And so we talked about the aspects of personal growth. And I think it is very important that we always work on ourselves so that we can be the best partner for uh, in this relationship and we can always show up as the best version of ourselves. Not not always, like it's not, not, not possible to be always, but we try our best. And, and so that also is a very, very critical factor to I think my personal relationships as well as the company. Awesome. And just to uh, kind of wrap, wrap this up, I would love to know what the word power means to you. Mm. That's a very interesting question. I think power means to me, um, like what comes to me is like being able to be like, owning yourself, just owning yourself. Yeah, like no matter where you are, no matter who you are with, no matter um, like you, you can show up as yourself because you fully own who you are. I think that's power. Mm. I, I really like that because I think it embodies everything that we've talked about, which is knowing what you want, showing up fully, you know, giving it your best, learning how to communicate the things that you want. And all of that is really owning yourself. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like you've really stepped into your full power now as a leader? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's always work in progress. I am a, I am for sure a lot more powerful than um, I was when I started Coffee Mix Bagel. And I think that is one of the gifts of being an entrepreneur. You're just kind of like forced into a situation where you do actually have to be growing and learning and learning to be like fully owning yourself is one of the biggest things I think you really need to have. Like, I mean, if you, like we earlier talked about being a leader, right? Like if you 
have a vision for the future and you have to bring your team along, I mean, the conviction that you actually have to have in, in the world that you're trying to create, that takes like you, you like fully owning that, right? And that, that's power. And so um, I think I'm a lot more powerful, but you know, I think it's a constant work in progress. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting because people who do own themselves, it's yes, there's owning their power, but there's also like owning your mistakes, right? Taking oh, yeah. responsibility and not running away from the problem. I think it's yeah. really easy to just, just ignore things like when they're oh, on. Yeah, yeah. I, and it, it takes a powerful person, again, like to, that's why I think power is about fully owning yourself, like your shortcomings and your strength, like both ends. Yeah. And the question then is, what is your superpower? Hmm. You know, I think my superpower is... Um, You know, speaking of like, again, going back to the leadership attributes, you have to have a vision and you have to bring your team along. And um, I didn't realize this, but like one of the funniest thing about superpower is like because you own it, you think it's very easy to think that everybody else has it. But I'm very emotionally aware and attuned and intelligent. And that is very powerful when it comes to being able to create a high-performing team because you have to be able to it's, it's, it's the people right you have to be able to read the room and be able to pull out things that people are not saying and I, I think it's a it's a really important attribute when it comes to leading your team uh, having your team come along with you leading your team I would say that's my superpower awesome I love how it came full circle too that your superpower as a leader and you know, starting out with that vision. And the last thing is just for our listeners and our audience, if there was one micro action that, you know, a challenge that you could issue them to step into their power to become better leaders, uh, what would it be? Read, read books, <laughs> <laughs> voraciously read uh, because I mean, it, like book is like a distillation of so many years of research and wisdom and knowledge that a lot of people actually like garnered in their entire life. Right. And so um, it's such a great way to step up and grow. Like, I mean, we talked about uh, mindset and that completely actually changed the way I saw my own shortcomings and be, helped me tremendously in being able to own that. Of course, that makes me more powerful. And so, yeah, just if you are voracious readers, good for you. Like, if you're not, like, I would highly recommend, like, uh, become one. Um, I, I, it's such a great resource. Yeah. My, actually, one of my favorite books I recommended to everyone is Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And mm. that is, uh, so Psycho-Cybernetics is the study of self-image. Um, and what was interesting about him was that he was a plastic surgeon and he noticed that there were two types of people, the people who everyone would walk in feeling like they had to be fixed, right? That they were ugly or something was wrong with them. And the thing is that there were two types of people who walked out. One was the type of person who got it fixed and walked out a brand new personality 
right? They're just like totally different person. And then there's the other person who got it fixed, but still in their mind, they were ugly or yeah. scarred. They were and broken. So yeah. They, yeah. So he was like, oh, it doesn't actually have to do with what it's on, what's on the outside. It's your own self image and your perception. So then he, yeah. he left uh, plastic surgery and then went into the field of psycho cybernetics and created this whole study of self image. That's really fascinating. Yeah. I got to look that up. Psycho-Cybernetics? Yeah. Psycho-Cybernetics oh, okay. by Maxwell Maltz. What's okay. a book that you would recommend uh, for people to read to, to help get them on their leadership journey? Oh, so many. So growth. Uh, so the mindset was uh, one of the more recent books that I read. And I, I mean, of course, after you read it, it's like, oh my God, I wish I read it like many years ago, right? <laughs> I also just read uh, a book by Howard Schultz onward. And it's a story of how he basically came back to Starbucks when the company was in crisis. It was such an inspirational book. Uh, it actually helped me formulate a lot of the, like how I think about leadership that I just talked about here. Um, and so, and you know, a lot of times that we also forget, right? Like there's only so many knowledge that we can surface. And even if you know, we forget and it's good, good to be reminded through reading. Yeah. One of my favorite books on relationship is by Dr. Sue Johnson called um, Hold Me Tight, Seven Conversations of a Lifetime. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's a must, must read for any daters out there. Awesome. Well, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for creating Coffee Meets Bagel and um, helping more happy couples meet and for your work in leadership. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. If you're ready to level up in your career and become a more powerful and purposeful leader, head over to theglow.org forward slash leadership to join our executive leadership training program. Again, that's T-H-E-G-L-O-W.org forward slash leadership to join today. You can find me at Lisa Carmen Wang on all social channels and lisacarmenwang.com. Never forget, you are enough. You are powerful. Now go out there and change the world.